welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. This morning, I will be teaching on what I introduced last Sunday. And um, I'll just take my time and try to establish that. Uh, from the beginning of the year, we had been looking forward to the opportunity we would have to share along these lines. We are talking about what we titled the Entrepreneurial Mandate. And um, for many reasons that I have mentioned a few last week when looking at this. Let me start by saying that in Christ Jesus, God's intention for the believer was not to become saved and stupid. It was never to become saved and stupid. Years ago, um, I heard a lot of these stories even from my parents and for people that maybe were saved in the 60s and in the 70s. And um, they always looked at people that were born again, they spoke about them in derogatory terms. And when they say that one is SU, they are not saying it with honor, they are saying it in a way to mock. And then you know that if his SU is no good apart from going for meetings where they clap their hands at the close late. But God's intention for salvation was not that people should be saved and become stupid. The late Archbishop Benson Daosa used to say that the way some believers have been raised they have become heavenly conscious and earthly useless. And what he meant by that is that there's a way the word of God could be taught to people and it makes them behave like their time on earth doesn't count. But the truth is that if you study scriptures carefully, it is the investment on earth that determines the benefits in the world beyond. Hallelujah. And it means that our time here is as important as our time will be anywhere. Hallelujah. And that life is not an experiment. Life is the real deal. Hallelujah. <laughs> and um, when believers understand that, it will change how we do what we do. And so I want to bring you to a different perspective of how you see your own life. How you see your time on earth. Whether it's for 80 years, 70 years, 120. And how you can make the most of that time. There are some people 
let's use Jesus for an example that the Bible tells us he lived on earth for about 33 years but of which three and a half of the years was where he really did ministry but you find that what he put into three and a half years the world has not recovered from it hallelujah then we have another man in Genesis referred to as Methuselah that the Bible recorded lived for 969 years and the most of what we know is that he lived for 969 years amen the most of what we know is that his name is Methuselah amen and you now find that it was not about the duration of years it was more about what was put into those number of years and so I want to use this opportunity to help us put so much into a day put so much into a week put so much into a month and perhaps put so much into a year glory to God I don't know if it occurs to you that I have some young, younger relatives of mine that maybe I saw them last a few years ago and when I saw them maybe oh we're just talking oh, how are you sir I just finished secondary school oh wonderful then I just saw them again recently and I said oh I am now an accountant and how? I said no wait last time I saw you just finished secondary yeah that was four years ago hallelujah so in four years the person has become a professional hallelujah are you understanding me? in four years he had moved from just someone that finished high school to someone now that has a degree and then it occurs to me that look some people are making the most of their time hallelujah some people are putting so much into a day are putting so much into a week putting so much into a month and putting so much into a year and that means they're putting so much into a lifetime amen at the same time i've also seen people that allowed years just go by and then you begin to wonder what are they doing with time my brother my younger brother was with me um, some years back here in Nigeria and then um, we he went to where we used to stay several years back uh, we were all young then much younger then and um, so he saw a man that we know is a neighbor and he's like um, he's supposed to be the security person there but you know there are some people that do more than security amen so he does many other things so we don't know who, you know his security his butler his everything but he's a very um he's not someone that you can ignore or overlook um he will make himself known that kind of character so we all knew him uh, maybe in my teenage years you know and my younger brother said he went there and he saw him and he said immediately he saw him he said this is a typical case of 10 years after nothing has changed same routine same way of talking same everything 10 years later 
nothing has changed. I took my wife to, let me not mention the place, somewhere, you know, in here in Port Harcourt. And then I said, um, in 1992, 1992 is how many years now? Uh, it's about 23, right? 23 years ago, yeah. I said, we used to come and buy suya in this place. And I remember I bought suya here when it was 2 naira. I bought suya here when it increased from 2 naira to 3 naira. So, when we were buying it, it was 100 naira for one. So I said, I bought suya when it was 2 naira, when it was 3 naira. So I pointed at the man and I said that this man was here since that time. Now he's good at his job, you understand that? But generations have come and gone. Come and gone. You understand that? And the man will not even recognize me. That maybe there were times when we came with one naira fifty kobo and he would just say, Okay, after I bring the remaining fifty kobo. Amen. <laughs> are you understanding me? That there are some people that have passed through his life or met him, people I know, alright? That are now even the former governor has bought here from that place. Amen. <laughs> are you understanding me? I can tell you that clearly. So there are people that have passed through his shop that are in government house. Some are in Abuja. Now, let me tell you why I'm telling you this man's story. Now, if, I don't know much about his personal life, but if his life has not changed, it is not because he didn't have the opportunity. Are you understanding me? But it's because maybe he didn't see it. Glory to God. Am I communicating? So when we start talking about the entrepreneurial mandate, we're talking about the believers, we're trying to tie in how the believers call assignment on earth to establish the kingdom of God in his own domain. We're trying to say that, look, that core assignment has something entrepreneurial about it. Hallelujah. And um, most of the time, because we try to make natural or spiritual things, you know, sometimes we try, so the problem is that things that are spiritual, we want to make them look natural. Alright? And then some things that God intended to be natural, we want to make them sound spiritual. Are you understanding me? So there is that confusion. And that's why sometimes you tell a believer, um, something that maybe was said in science or something that I said in school and he said no that one is not scripture but if you actually flip through the Bible you'll find that it is scripture but it's not using the language of scripture because it's not saying thee and thou you understand that you think it is not scripture are you understanding me? so when we say that the believers core assignment on earth has an entrepreneurial flair. Hallelujah. We're trying to say that there's a, there's a way God looks at it. Because what is the job of an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur uses resources available to him to make a contribution to his society and uh, makes a gain or a profit from it. Are you understanding me? Now, in the same way, God's mandate to us is 
that we have calls to contribute, hallelujah, and that with the resources He has made available to us, we are supposed to harness these resources and impact our immediate environment, and then it profits us. Are you understanding me? And it profits the kingdom. But the difference between we, the believers in Christ, and just a businessman out there, is that our profit is not always in dollars and cents. Hallelujah. It's not always in Naira and Kobo. Our profit is in the eternal value that it brings. Amen. Okay, so um, I want us to understand what I mean by the entrepreneurial mandate. I'll just read a few things I wrote here. The believer's co-assignment on earth, especially as it concerns establishing God's kingdom on earth, is entrepreneurial in nature. It involves making the world better than how you met it. Hallelujah. So it involves making the world better than how you met it. And all of us came and met the world at a particular stage. But wherever you came in from, and whatever space you are occupying, the question is, have you made it better than how you met it? Glory to God. So I want to read a few scriptures, and then we will look at it. And I will read from Luke chapter 19. I will read from verse 11 to 27. Luke, the 19th chapter. And there you see a parable. And from that parable, we're going to be able to draw out a few things that will help us. Uh, let me just jump a bit and say this. If you listen to the things I want to share with you between now and the end of the month, as we look at it, I believe that somebody will cross the unemployment barrier. Hallelujah. While others, even in employment, will improve themselves. Hallelujah. And be able to uh, provide more efficient um, service in whatever they do. Glory to God. And then we also have people that we cross over from just being the employed to become employers of labor. Hallelujah. And I'm also looking at a case where you will not just sit down and say, I'm waiting for someone to give me a job. You will come to that place where you will see that the believer in Christ has the ability to create jobs. Hallelujah. Because God puts in you the seed of creativity. Amen. You know, the Bible makes us understand that in Christ Jesus we are co-creators. Amen. So there's something about us, there's something creative in us. And when we unleash that creativity, jobs will come out. Amen. And so I want you to just follow this teaching and follow it closely and allow God to find expression through your life in terms of uh, um, how you impact the society directly. Luke chapter 19 verse 11, it says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now, I want you to understand, um, when, you, when you want to read a parable, it's good to understand um, what he was dealing with first. And then the interpretation of the parable will make sense. Hallelujah. So, what he was addressing was that some people thought that the kingdom, you know they keep talking about the kingdom is coming, the kingdom of God is coming, the kingdom of God is coming. And so, they thought that the kingdom of God will appear now, immediately. So, Jesus was trying to establish something to explain how the kingdom of God works. Hallelujah. Alright? How the kingdom of God works. That the kingdom of God is not something that your physical eyes will see. But the kingdom of God actually is within us. And our actions...
actions express and establish the kingdom around our domain. Hallelujah. So the parable here is explaining how the kingdom of God in you, how it functions. Hallelujah. How it functions. How you can establish it. How the kingdom of God can be felt. Nobody will be walking on the road and see kingdom of God. Are you understanding me? <laughs> Are you understanding me? Alright? How do you feel the impact of the government of River State? When you say the government, the government, the government, the government, when you say the government, you understand? Of course, when you see the governor, he represents the government. But the point is that how you feel the government is that every time you are driving on the road, that's government you are driving on. Amen? You are feeling the impact of government. The infrastructure that you see is a visible manifestation of government. Are you with me? So in the same way, God's government is established through you in the fiscal infrastructure that come out of your thinking. Amen. Are you understanding me? So let's put it this way. The kingdom of God is established around you. By the things that you do. Amen. Through your job. Through your business. In your place of work. That's how the kingdom is established. But let's go further. So I'm trying to read Luke 19. From verse 11. I'll read quite a long one. uh, Because of what I want to bring out here. Hallelujah. It says... I'll read 11 again. And as he heard these things, he added and speak a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should appear immediately. So what they thought is what he was addressing. Verse 12. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants. Watch closely. How many servants? And then he delivered them what? Ten pounds. And said unto them, Occupy till I come. Hallelujah. Verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, when he had commanded these servants, to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man has gained by trading. Amen. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound had gained ten pounds. So one person gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, Thou have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound had gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound. Thank you, Lord. Which I have kept laid up in a napkin. And I fear thee, oh sorry, for I fear thee, verse 21, because thou art an austere man, thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thy own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. 
Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required my own with usury, usury is interest. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that had ten pounds. Verse 25. And they said unto him, Lord, he had ten pounds. Verse 26. For I say unto you, that unto everyone that which had shall be given. And for him that had not, even that he had shall be taken away from him. But those my enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. This is one of perhaps one of the deepest parables that Jesus ever told. The parable deals with economy, it deals with entrepreneurship, it deals with apostolic mandates in the marketplace. Now, let me just pick on something before I enter this. You know, the one that had one pound came and said he buried it. He didn't use it. I know what Jesus said to him. What Jesus said to him was, you know, don't, let's not spiritualize what he was communicating there. He said, at least you would have put the money in the bank. Listen. And then it would have gained interest. That means Jesus was saying that as a believer, the least way we gain money or profit is fixed deposit. That's the lowest thing to do. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you understanding me? He said, at least we have fixed the money. At least. That's, that's if nothing else. At least. That means that what he has put in us and what we're able to generate is much more than what a bank can give to you. I don't know if you're hearing me. God's word is showing us that there is a system of the kingdom that operates higher returns than whatever the world system can give to you. You know that when you go to a bank, they tell you things like, you know, um, this, um, this, this package we have for you, we give you so, so percent interest. This package we have for you, you know, some of you have done all those things. What he's saying is that whatever the world system offers as interest, that the kingdom's system has much more. Hallelujah. And that when people of God learn how to operate that system of the kingdom, they will have more profits than whatever the world has to offer to them. Glory to God. So Jesus said to him, say, look, if not for anything, at least, at least you would have fixed the money. Glory to God. That means that what will come out of this teaching will be more profit than fixing money. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's what we're saying. Amen. It will be more than fixing money. Alright, so when you look at that scripture, we'll focus on verse um, 13. Okay? We'll focus on verse 13. We'll just lock on verse 13 today. And then we'll see how we grow in the coming weeks. Let's look at verse 13 again. Because this statement stands out. As a matter of fact, this is where the entrepreneurial mandate jumped out from. Hallelujah. And he called his ten servants. It's just like he has called all of us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And then he said, he delivered to them what? Ten pounds. And what did he say again? And said unto them what? Occupy till I come. Um, when we were much uh, like university days, you know, 
they used to have retreats. You understand that? All these like retreats, you know, camp retreats, Christian retreats. And the title of the retreat is Occupy Till I Come. Are you understanding? But you know, the way they always treated this Occupy Till I Come, you think it was talking about prayer. Amen. You think it was talking about something else. But listen to me. What Jesus was speaking about was strictly and totally about the economies of the world. Amen. Are you understanding me? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing more. Glory to God. And how the kingdom of God and the economic systems function. So, but most of the time, because people read, most people read their Bibles just in King James, and they lost out. And today we don't speak King James English. Do you speak King James English in your in your place of work? Amen. You don't speak. Do you go to meet your boss and say, "Boss, I didn't want to go for you know, you know." <laughs> you don't speak. You know, you don't speak Shakespeare in your office. Amen. You understand that? So there are certain words that have changed in how they're used. Okay. Now, for example, I, I, I was teaching one time and I was talking about how um, in Bible days or in the days of King James. Now, King James lived in the 15th century. Are you understanding me? This King James version of the Bible was approved and released in 1611. Are you understanding me? So, this how many years, hundreds of years ago? So, that at that time, the English they spoke, a king could say, maybe someone come and say, Sir, please, can I just um, 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 go and live for three days? He said, I bind you. I bind you means I refuse you. Are you understanding me? Now, when King James now interprets bind in Matthew 16 or Matthew 18, and then he says, Look, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth is lose in heaven. Religious people think that the scripture was talking about tying a demon. No demon is tied. No demon can be tied. He can only be expelled out of an area. Are you understanding me? He thinks they say, tie the devil, tie him. That's not what I was talking about. Bind is saying that, look, the authority you have on earth is that anything you permit, heaven will permit. Anything you refuse, say, this thing will not happen in my life. Heaven will say, Amen. It will not happen in your life. Amen. So it was English that became the problem. And because of lack of understanding English, we lost out on the revelation. Are you understanding me? So here also, back to... Uh, um, Luke 19.13 is also an English issue. Hallelujah. English, occupy till I come. So what was he talking about? Even if, you know, I use scripture to interpret scripture. So let's assume that we didn't even understand that terminology, occupy till I come. He used a phrase that we didn't understand. You read in the context, you will see that what he was talking about had to do with economics. So let me just show you something and then... Still down in Luke 19, let's look at verse 15. So you see what we was saying now. Look at verse 15, King James now. He said, And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given what? The money. So in case you thought ten pounds were ten talents, 
The scripture here has called it what? Money. He has explained that the, what he gave to them is money. But at that time, the name of the currency, or the currency that it was translated as, translated as pounds. Okay? So, he was talking about money. That's the first thing. The second thing to see is that he said, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man has what? Gained by what? Trading. So occupied till I come, I have to do it, trading until I come. Hallelujah. That means that how we will dominate the systems of the world is by trading with what God has given to us. Amen. So, having established that still is in your King James, Let's now look at other translations of Luke 19, verse 13. Hallelujah. There are, of course, quite a number of translations, but I'll just pick two. Okay, let's just pick three that will help me clarify what it means to occupy until he comes. So how many of you are going to occupy until he comes? Amen. He's coming soon, but before he comes, take charge. Hallelujah. Okay, let me use the language of hold ground until I come. Amen. Hold the ground. In politics, hold ground. Amen. In the industry, hold the ground. In media, hold the ground. In entertainment, hold it until I come. Hallelujah. Alright, let's look at um, Amplified Version of Luke 19, verse 13. And the Amplified Version would, um, would make a lot of sense. It says, Calling ten of his own born servants... He gave them ten minors, okay? The, um, Amplify used minors uh, instead of pounds. He said ten minors. It's equal to about 100 days wages. That means it was equivalent to three months salary. Hallelujah. Uh, three months of the basic salary of that time, okay? And uh, so that was what he gave them. Glory to God. Then he said, and said to them, buy and sell with this. While I go and then return. What did he call it? Buy and sell. Let me say buy and sell. That's what occupy means. Hallelujah. Buy and sell until I return. Buy and sell. It's not commercial. Amen. Buy and sell. Let me say buy and sell. But you know why the King James used occupy, which is more correct. He was trying to explain that it is through buying and selling that we dominate. Amen. So buy and sell that these other translations are trying to use, um, they remove something that he was trying to communicate. You know, somebody can say, somebody can give you an assignment, and you know how you watch movies, and then the bad guy, you know, is sending someone to go and kill somebody. And he doesn't actually say kill him. You understand that? He might just say, Finish him. Are you understanding me? Finishing could mean many things, but to two of them, when he says finish him, he is not saying that um, 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 uh, take all his belongings. <laughs> Are you understanding me? No. He might be calling back and say, You understand? Finish him. <laughs> Yes, in English, if you use that word finish him in English, it might not necessarily mean to kill the person. Are you understanding me? But this person 
And so let me tell you, okay, what does finishing mean? What does finish? Okay, say, so what does finish mean? What does he mean? <laughs> you know? And then you try to explain it that you say to finish means that um, exhaust all the options, blah, 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 blah. By the time you interpret it, what he was communicating is more than English. Amen. The intention behind that statement is that the person should be killed. In the same way, when Jesus said, Occupy till I come, the intention is just is more than buying and selling. It is buying and selling with a mindset of taking over. Are you understanding me? You didn't hear me well. It's trading with a takeover mentality. That you are not trading to stop somewhere, you are trading to dominate the market. So buy and sell. Let's look at another translation. I'll just pick um, two more translations that will help us. Um, you might not have this other one. Do you have complete Jewish Bible? Okay, give me. Uh, let me let me just read from for, from complete Jewish Bible, and um, it will help us a great deal. After that, we'll do the Living Bible. Okay, you don't. Do you have the Living Bible too? Luke 19 verse 13. Permit me to read the complete Jewish Bible. He says, calling ten of his servants, he gave, to, he gave them ten manim. A maner is about three months' wages. And said to them, do business with this while I'm away. Okay, now, the complete Jewish Bible used the translation, do business. Does that make more sense to you? Amen. <laughs> do business with this while I'm away. Glory to God. King James said, occupy. The other one said, buy and sell. This one said what? Do business. Amen. Then, the Living Bible. Not New Living Translation. The Living Bible. I love the Living Bible. He said, before he left, he called together ten assistants. And gave them each two thousand dollars. <laughs> To invest while he was gone. Hallelujah. To invest while he was gone. Praise God. So permit me to just bring all those things together. Occupy till I come. Buy and sell. Do business. Invest. Amen. Are we together? Buy and sell. We say buy and sell. Do business. Invest. Say it again. Buy and sell. Do business. Invest. This is Jesus talking. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. This was Jesus was saying to them. So he was trying to explain that the world that we live in is a marketplace, and all of us are traders. Amen. And the concept he was bringing here is that look, I was sharing something you know some time ago, and I was talking about Genesis one twenty eight. In Genesis 1.28, there are four parts of how every kingdom-minded person should graduate. Hallelujah. There are four levels. Alright? And it was contained in the blessing. Hallelujah. It said, and God blessed them and said, what? Be fruitful. Where we are now is that we are trying to get everyone to function as be fruitful. Hallelujah. Be fruitful. Be fruitful means this. It means that 
bear fruit. Everybody say bear fruit. Another language to use is produce. Let your life produce. The best way to communicate it is contribute. Glory to God. That means that as we all came on the scene, we, we are here to contribute. You are in Port Harcourt, you are in Nigeria, you are in this generation because there is a contribution you are meant to make. When you start contributing, you have become fruitful. Hallelujah. Fruitfulness means that I am contributing. Glory to God. I am contributing. I am adding value from where I am. Now, so when you look at what it means to be an entrepreneur, it simply means that you are someone that is adding value, glory to God, with the available resources around you. And when we talk about resources, I want to explain something to you. There are tangible resources. There are intangible resources. It's the intangible that makes the tangible work. Are you understanding me? So, here, when we talk about this, some people say, oh, I don't have capital. Capital is not, is not what you can touch first. Amen. It's not what you can touch first. You know, people say, oh, if I had, when you say be fruitful, it means that there's something inside you. Glory to God. There's something in you. You are blessed, glory to God, to be fruitful. For the fact that you are saved, there's something you need to understand that God was telling the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8.18. He said, Thou shalt remember that it is the Lord thy God that giveth thee power. Now, when they translated, this was written in Hebrew. When they translated it, you know, in the Septuagint, when they translated it into the Greek, it was actually dunamis. Amen. He said, He gives us power to get wealth. That means that if they take you uh, from here, Take off your clothes, take off your cards, take off your, your certificates, take off everything that makes you who you are, and drop you in another country or in another city. It's a matter of time. That thing that causes wealth to come out is inside you. Amen. It's not in your paper. Are you understanding me? So, because the power to create wealth is within you. Glory to God. It's within you. Is within you. Now, what we are going to establish first in this teaching is for you to embrace, alright, and understand this idea of the entrepreneurial mandate. Because if you don't accept it, you know what you're always thinking, eh, if that I, if I had uh, a master's, I know what I would have done with my life. If I had a PhD, I know what I would have done with my life. No, no, no. Master's, PhD, they are all good. But it's not a limitation until you say it is. Amen. You know what I mean? It is not a limitation until you say it is. The day you discover that the power to create wealth is inside you, huh? the day it dawns on you, everything changes. A brother was sharing a testimony, you know, and uh, it's not related to finances, but it applies every way. He said that he had been reading his Bible. You know, reading his Bible. And then one day he was reading the scripture that says that he shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. You know? So he was driving on the road. He was driving, his wife was with him, he was just driving. He just thought of it. He said, If I lay hands on the sick, why would Jesus say, If I lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover? 
That means the power to heal the sick is in me. He didn't say, if I lay out on the sick, and I believe, you know, he said, if I lay out on the sick, that means I should believe that I can heal the sick. He said, that was the day it dawned on him that. He didn't have to be a healing minister to heal the sick. Amen. <laughs> that just because he's born again, he has the ability to lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So that was, uh, I think, over the weekend. On a Sunday morning, he was in church. And then there were some people that were sick. And then they called him and said, uh, what, uh, so, um, somebody, brother, I think he's a leader in the church. He said, please come and lay hands on these people. So he walked up to a lady that had some pains in her body, you know, her legs, and she, she had pains. And then he remembered that he now knows that he can heal the sick. He didn't have any encounter. He did not pray extra any night. Are you understanding me? It's just that realization that hit him. So when he laid hands on the woman, he laid hands saying, Now I can heal the sick. Now I know I can heal the sick. Amen. So he laid hands on her, and then he prayed. And then he said, You should be feeling something. He said, Yes, there's a hot sensation on my legs. He said, that's good, that's good. He said, he left his hand on her for a few more minutes. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. All of a sudden, instantly, he was surprised. Everyone so everyone was surprised. Bam! She got healed. Glory to God. He said, wow. You know what changed? I have embraced it. Amen. The truth has always been there. I have now embraced it. In the same way, the day you embrace the truth, that the power to create wealth is in you. It's not in your clothes. It's in you. Glory to God. That means that if they take you from here and strip you naked and drop you with parachutes, you understand, on an island, eh? it's just a matter of time. You will make that place a city. Look at the place they called Las Vegas today, all right? Nevada in, in the United States. It was a desert. Are you understanding me? Desert. People sat down and created a city. If you go there, you'll be wondering, no, no, I should. no, 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 are you saying, desert, all part of um, um, UAE, United Arab Emirates, uh, whether it's Abu Dhabi, uh, Dubai, just over, not, let's say, 30 years back, there was nothing going on there, are you saying, nothing was happening, nothing was going on there, some people came up there and said, this is what we're going to do in this place, and over time, that creative ability within them was unleashed on the environment. Your environment will submit, are you understanding me, to what is inside you. Glory to God. But you have to embrace it. And that's why we're bringing up this teaching. You have to embrace it. You have to understand. What are the limiting factors most of the time for people? Is the fact that they're always thinking that how do we get ahead in life is from some external help. No. We don't get ahead by external help. We get ahead by the force within us. Are you understanding me? It's even the force within us that makes external help useful. You didn't hear me. I said it's even the force within you that makes external help useful. Have you not seen people that they gave, somebody gave them one million? Ten million. After a six months or one year, they are back to where they used to be. Because the actual thing that changes your life is what is coming from inside you. There's a story about a man they saw on the streets, and then they took him and dressed him, 
changed his attire. He was just a homeless man on the road. It's a, it's a popular story. You know, homeless guy, you know, eating from beans and all that. And then this was abroad, uh, America, so. And then they took him and cleaned him up, gave him food, dressed him in the best clothes, you know. Everybody was amazed at what they transformed him into. Six months, after a long time, when they went to look for him, he was still sitting back again at the refuge door. Why? External help will never change your life. Amen. Never change your life. That's why what the Word of God does. The Bible says, Be ye transformed. Hallelujah. Romans 12, 2. By the renewing of your mind. Is that change that's happened inside you that affects what's happening around you? Is that affecting your account? Is that affecting how money relates with you? Glory to God. Are you understanding me? How money relates with you is affected by that change inside you. Glory to God. We're told that children, um, and this one is medical, and they, say, they talk about how children, they have what they call uh, is it mirror neurons. You know, So how children learn is that they mirror experiences. You understand that? What they see. You know, what they see around them. Then sometimes they might not manifest what they saw until they are much older. Then they start doing those things. Are you understanding me? So what God's word does is that that success, you mirror it first inside you. Amen. And then along the way, it starts manifesting on the outside. Anything that has not happened inside you will never happen on the outside. That's why I see some believers, they are, they, are, they are saying some things, they are saying some things. It's not how hard you say it outside. Are you understanding me? It is the impact of those things within you. Glory to God. How it has affected you within. And when that thing has affected you, you know what happens? Even in your dreams, things will change. A young man was telling me about how every time he used to dream, he always sees himself in the village. He has never seen himself in any any civilized city, you know. Then he came for some meetings. You understand that? In the meetings, the power of God came upon him, and so and so he heard words, he heard about the sacrifice. Now, it was spiritual. Something broke. When he went back to sleep, now his life didn't change that day. I mean, physically. But when he went back to sleep, his dream changed. He saw himself in a dream, and he was... You know, instead of having dreams like he's in Lagos, he's in Abidjan, you understand that? He's in Johannesburg, you understand that? Before, he's always, his dreams are always, he's either on a boat crossing river, you understand that? He's, he just arrived village, they are going to farm. Are you understanding me? There was something happening inside him that has locked him in a local space. Are you hearing me? It has locked him in a local space. That's why when we pray in tongues, what the Spirit of God does to you is that it makes you rise above that space that you are me, that your mind has locked you in. So when you're praying in tongues, praying in tongues, you break out into new frontiers. Am I communicating? So that one is forceful. The Spirit of God is helping you. Now, in teachings, as teachings come to you, they begin to create a new, a new environment within you. I'm out of time. But l- let me just land here. Um the point here I want you to get this morning is the fact that there is a mandate on us as long as we live on earth to trade with what God has given us hallelujah and to understand that it is what he has given us 
that will pave a way for us to achieve any other thing that we ought to achieve. And that what he has given to us, the world needs it. But if we don't even appreciate what we have, glory to God, then we will not in any way push it. The one principle, one major, major factor about selling, huh? and in life what we are doing is that everybody is selling. Amen. Are you understanding me? Look at this in any way. Everybody is selling. Glory to God. Everybody is what? Is selling. And everybody is buying. Glory to God. What does the bank do? The bank buys money from people and sells money. They buy and sell. That's what bank does. They, but they, their commodity is money. I guess anyway, they buy money and they sell money. They buy from some people and they sell to some other people at a higher price. That's what they are doing. So we are all buying and selling. When you understand that, you don't understand the issue about selling. A salesman, I want you to think of what you do. I know that you are selling something. Amen. A salesman can never succeed if he does not believe in what he is selling. That's where success begins. He has to first believe in the products. If he doesn't believe in what he is selling, <laughs> so you know because once you start selling, people criticize what you are selling. Are you understanding me? You can just go and say, eh, "I have so so and so." That is you, the original one. He said, yes, the original one. Say, no, this thing that is so, so, and so. I, I, I don't know if you, you see where somebody is buying a, 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 a second new car. Yeah? Uh, maybe you're trying to sell a second new car. And then you go and say, oh, uh, I want to sell it for maybe 500,000. You understand that? The person wants to buy it, that's not looking around it. See these lights? Uh, the light is cracked too. Anything he complains about is minus 50,000. I understand him. This light is cracked. Too. Ah, ah, what is this scratch on the body like this? Ah, ah, even the shock is not even, the shock is not even where this thing. He has complained three. And one thing as a seller is that anything he complains about, you have to have a counter. Are you understanding me? If you keep quiet, keep quiet, keep quiet. When you now say, my buy 200. <laughs> Are you understanding me? 200. Here he said, ah, I told you, he said 200. But if he says the light, he said, ah, no, this light is okay. Yeah, it's just that, see. <laughs> you understand me? Because if you say it's just like, instead of 50, to be 25. You understand me? <laughs> Glory to God. So the point is that you are selling. You are selling. You are selling. You are selling. Every day you are selling. Every day of your life you are selling. Trading is going on on a regular basis. Trading is going on. You are either buying or selling, buying or selling, buying and selling. You have bought today. Some of you have sold today. <laughs> Amen. Are you understanding me? The vehicle you entered to come here. Huh? Are you understanding me? He, he provided a service. If you enter the taxi, he provided a service. You paid. Glory to God. So every day. Now what God is saying to you is this. Is that when you understand that, you will not take lightly the resources that God has made available to you. Some of the resources are not physical. Some are physical. The physical ones are no more important than the ones that are not physical. I call them intangible resources. Those intangibles, the ones you can't touch, actually are of greater importance 
than the ones you can touch. Hallelujah. And when we learn that, how we do what we do will be different. It is only in Nigeria that people don't even value some things that are very... You know, so if you hear some kind of business ideas that people are running with, you begin to wonder. Are you understanding me? It was several years ago when I, um, it, it started getting into the, the, the flow, you know, early 2001, 2002. We started hearing about, oh, there's a new business idea that people want to implement. They call it image consulting. Like, we just laugh. What's that? Someone that all it does is, you know, whether your personal image, your corporate image, it was not a popular thing. Now there are people that that's the only thing they do. Are you understanding me? They say, look, look, look. The problem why nobody is taking you seriously. Even they do it for politicians. Nobody is taking you seriously. They see you as a dictator. Let's wear you suit. We wear you Yoruba cloth. We wear you uh, reverse cloth. We wear you. They will buy you. That was image consulting. Now reformed Buari. Are you understanding? That's the image consulting worker. Somebody packaged him so that you will buy. Some of you bought. Are you understanding me? They say, look, 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 this picture with your open teeth and uh, military cap and that. Uh, no, 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 no. People remember war against indiscipline. You understand? Right now we are going for election. They don't, they are not supposed to remember war against indiscipline. What they should remember is that you are a man that will say with no tolerance for corruption. That's what they should remember. Not who against the discipline. Is not what they did? That's image consulting. Sat down. They said, "What will we do? Let him put it." There was a picture, very provocative picture. I mean, I'm not talking about negatively. Very inspiring picture. Let me use that word. That they had him with a little boy. You know, if you see it, your heart will just melt. That is a strategy. Are you understanding me? They publish the picture all over. We just said, he's a good man now. He's a good. What did he do? That's image consulting. Somebody's job. That means this guy that snaps photographs. It's not about selling, printing out, selling, just run, run, after, after wedding, pursue you. Say, after wedding, say, see your picture, yeah, see your picture. Somebody's still a photographer. But he has moved his photography to provide a value. Are you understanding? Value, added value. Are you understanding? To say, look, let me package you. See, if you stand on your right side, you will look more, people can trust you more than when you stand on your left side. Are you understanding? So the picture on the right is the one we are going to be using. That's it. Then you will say, look, this printing that I'm doing is just 200 naira, but you are going to pay me 10,000 to package you. Somebody's running around with 200 naira photographs. Somebody, any picture it takes, every click is thousand. Thousand is value. Are you understanding me? That means that he has the resources he has. He appreciates them. He recognizes them. Are you understanding me? And that's why we're bringing this teaching on ground. To bring you to a place where that little thing that you do, you will now see that you will pour the force of God upon it. Amen. And it will multiply and bless the world. Let's rise to our feet this morning. Give him praise this morning. Lift your hands everywhere and just thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed and loaded. Take it